Welcome back to the Sincerely Shameless Podcast with a relentless and resilient thrive. It is your content creator and host, Sarah J. Gather some popcorn, rally the girls. Let's go have some fun. What's good, Sincerely Shameless Podcast? What's going on, the shameless brand? You guys, it is your favorite long, long distance cousin, Sarah J, brand ambassador, content creator, and your favorite podcast host, Sarah J. It has been a while, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and apologize to that. I've been tardy to the party. In fact, I never even made it, but I got your invitation. Thank you. Now, what I will say is when I have it, I'll pour it. If I don't, I don't. And just truth be told, I haven't had it. I haven't had it in a couple of months because a lot of life has been life and the math ain't math and in my bank account. Well, God bless it. But um, <laughs> I'm happy to be back at my desk at the mic looking out my window in the windy city of Dayton, Ohio. And um, I've got something really good for you. In fact, I've got a really great treat for you. And I know I say that all the time, but like this one, like I mean it, mean it, like I'm serious. So grab hold of your steering wheel, get the girls, grab your drinks, your food, your snacks. I don't know when you'll be listening to this. I'd grab a pen and pad if I were you. And let's go ahead and deep dive into this week's episode. Now, I wouldn't be Sarah J and this wouldn't be the Sincerely Shameless podcast if I didn't kick it off with a story time. So let's get into it. All right. So for those who don't know, my father passed August 7th, 2021. I moved up November 10th, 2020, right in the midst of the pandemic. And um, while I've spoken a lot about this, I'm not sure if I've shared this tidbit with you. So I um, remember my dad's last two questions to me and um they bothered me for quite some time um I, I mean almost up until now and um i felt a lot of judgment and a lot of shame behind the two questions and um now i feel a little bit of a resolve and that's what i've been trying to work through for some time now and you know grief counseling but Basically, before my father passed, he would ask me the same two questions often. And um, my dad was a big man who had a big voice. And um, it it came off as harsh. He'd ask, where is your spouse? And where are you little angels? My father considered children to be little angels. And I find that to be beautiful. I remember him asking me that. And I just looked at him like he was crazy because I just remember feeling already shamed from society in regard to already being my age and not having children. And then God forbid, not having a man, Sarah, who you are not human if you can't keep a man, right ladies? So I would just look at him and I would say, you know, dad, why? You don't have to be mean about it and you don't have to remind me that I don't have those things. I'm well aware. And um, as it got closer to him passing, he just looked me in my eyes and would say, you know, where is your where is your spouse and where are your 
you know, your little angels. Like you don't, you don't have any kids for me to play with, to see. And, um, it just frustrated me because I'm like, sir, you act like I can just snap my fingers and those things will be here. And then he died, um, August 7th, 4.33 PM. And, um, I just kept hearing that replay in my mind. Where, where's your spouse? Where's your little angels? Where's your spouse? Where's your little angels? And it was a, um, a placeholder for something I never accomplished for him to see on this earth. And that was bothersome to me um, because I accomplished a lot. And I felt like, you know, hey, dad, you know, your daughter has a master's like, you know, she's she's working really hard and she she was able to move her life from one place to the next. And you're concerned about a spouse and some little angels. Well, turns out I've been hustling backwards. (laughs) And um, now that it's been over a year and some change, I hear those questions a little differently because, yes, I was ruminating on them. But now I hear them like. He was asking me about those things because he realized that I was going to be alone. And I've now experienced that immense loneliness. And now I hear it as him, you know, warning me like, hey, you might need to get those things. (laughs) You're going to be alone without them. And, um, Though I can't snap my fingers to make those things appear, I hear it differently and I appreciate it a lot more now. And um, though I appreciate it a lot more, it's now a revelation that um, that immense loneliness was what I experienced this past year and that void that I sought out to fill by accepting piss poor behavior from men that I would date or keeping people around longer than their necessary stay and tolerating certain things because that void of losing my father, which was um, the my, my favorite person in the world, truth be told, and um, my homie and a dad, but that void that I was feeling, that he was warning me about, I don't even know if he knew it, was what I would give an immense amount of grace to people who did not deserve that to fill that void. So in my time of recognizing or thinking or my alone time, I have really doubled down to just frustration and anger because um, he knew something I didn't (laughs) as life would have it naturally. Um, And I've said this a couple of times in my therapy sessions, what do I do with all of this pain? You know, my dad asked, where are these people? Where are these things? Um, He knew the status of my relationships with my sisters and that it would be very estranged. And he knew that Dayton, Ohio wouldn't bring me the type of joy and peace that I was seeking. 
And now that these departures have taken place, it is just me and I am angry. (laughs) And if you know anything about anger, it is an empty emotion. It just double downs to sadness. And sadness is a contributor of immense loss, pain, and grief. And so this leads me to this week's episode title. What do I do with all of this pain? So there are two stark moments in my life that I remember feeling this level of frustration, sadness, and anger. I really want to highlight the anger piece. I found myself, like Loki, more annoyed than I've ever felt in a very long time. And the time that when I sit down and I think about when have I ever felt like this level of like boiling anger, like I'm talking like the type of anger where somebody look at you wrong, you like, you know what? (laughs) I'm a flip the table. Like, I don't know if y'all feel that. I don't know if I'm just feeling that, but like, I haven't felt this level of anger, frustration and pain since um, 2005. And I'll go ahead. No, 2000. Yeah. 2007. I'm sorry. 2007. Get your story right. (laughs) That goes to show how much of it I've experienced. Okay. (laughs) So back in 2007, I'll share a little bit, and this probably could have fit into the story time, but it'll get us to where we need to go. Um, In 2007, I was 17. I had a younger, I have a younger sister at the time. She was 15. We were living in a hotel, um, specifically um, off of Barrett Parkway. And um, to my knowledge, my mother did not pay the hotel bill. I was unaware of this. Um, We were sneaking in and out of the window to get into the hotel because our keys didn't work. We at the time thought it was a um, security issue with technology. We did not know we were becoming breaking and entering artists (laughs) at our tender age of 17 and 15. So this particular day, my younger sister goes to catch the bus to go to, um, to like, um, what's the school called when you take, oh, summer school. When you go to summer school, I was going to hang back. I remember specifically, I took a shower. I played Sarah Smile. And I remember the doors being kicked in by the police. Um, you know, I could barely grab a towel. They were like, grab, grab, put on clothes. You got to get out of here. You know, you guys, you know, you just got to go. Nobody should be in this hotel. It's very traumatic for me at the time because it was several um, police officers, all males. And I, I needed to express to them that I am underage and I don't know what's going on. So they give me a moment. I just, I literally just throw something on. They put me in the backseat of the police car, of course, and then they drive us to drive me to a foster care center. Um, we arrive to the foster care center. My younger sister is there. She's happy. She's joyful. She's gleed because she's getting three square meals. And she's like, this is awesome. And I'm looking at her like, sis, no, like you don't understand what's going to happen. Like you don't understand. Like we're about to be awarded of the state. Like we're about to be foster kids. And she's like, what? I'm like, yes, girl. So um, they explained to us what happened is that there was no payment for X amount of time. Of course, my mother was nowhere to be found. Um, she had a way of being very present and absent at the same time. Houseway, we don't know. Anywho, we're there for two months. I remember in that moment um, after being, um, what's it called, like clerked in or, you know, like processed in. There you go. 
Uh, I remember saying to God, um, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> this, this is this whole child of God, Christian, this believer thing ain't gonna work because this is too much for me to process at my tender age. And, um, you yeah, know, so we got to fix it or else I'm willing to just walk away from the faith. That's what I said. Um, two months later, my mom was able to do some form of Harry Potter sorcery. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But she convinced the judge that she had found a place, um, a home for her for children and that she's a stable parent. We are released from the group home. Um, I was going to go back to Cal High School for my senior year, slated to get a basketball scholarship. That was my greatest motivator to exit out of my parents' home and to start a life that I actually truly wanted to live. Um, and so we 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 leave. <clears throat> we leave, and a month later, we are evicted out of our place. Go figure. Um, back to the normal. So. Um, after another year of that transfer out of that school, go to a different school and, um, we're doing phone books. I remember this is the moment where I said, all right, God, this is it. <clears throat> the situation hasn't gotten any better. Um, yeah, I know I put you on a time clock, but you know, this is getting really shaky in my faith. I'm not sure if I can hold on any longer. And right as I was ready to, because I said it, I was, I meant it like, I'm gonna give up the faith. I was ready to say I'm denouncing. And I don't know why I felt like I had to just announce to myself and to God that I was leaving the faith. I could have just walked away. But I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I was hoping that God like, wait, come back. <laughs> But I was like, this is it. This is the moment. It was like 97 degrees in Atlanta, Georgia. I was throwing phone books at people's door. That was like a job for us. I mean, I was sweaty. I was tired. I was menstruating. I was annoyed. And right as I was like, all right, God, <clears throat> my phone rung. It was a Nokia back in 2007. Uh, no, 2008. It was a Nokia phone. And um, it was a country lady who picked up the phone and was like, hey, this is Coach Warren, um, basketball coach at Chattahoochee Valley um, College. I would like you to come play with me. I told her, bet your bottom dollar, I'm there tomorrow if need be. That was the seed for a new season. I remember the anger that I experienced. I remember the fights that I got into all throughout high school. And when she offered me that basketball scholarship, that was my moment where frustration ended and all the pain was worth it because I went out there and played my heart out, y'all. I am no like LeBron, but I'm certainly not trash. I went out there and played my heart out. And that moment, that one opportunity fueled me up until now because it was an out. And so now that I'm sitting here looking at the anger and the frustration and the pain that I've experienced, I'm looking for that door again. Okay, and I'm not going to go and say, Lord, I'm never going to believe you again. Or I'm never, I'm not, I'm not leaving the faith. I'm not there anymore. And now I'm a lot stronger in my faith. But I am looking for that door again. And so when I ask you and I say to you, what do I do with all this pain? It's a real question. I'm not going to use this pain to walk away from the faith. That's something I would have done in my immaturity of faith. I'm not going to use this pain to, to abuse others because that's the normal, easy response. 
But I do have three things I'll share with you that I am going to use with this pain in hopes that if you are in this season, coming out of this season or going into this season of change from instability to stability, uncertainty to certain, from doubt to boldness, from from shame to shameless, you're going to need these three things. And they came to me so quickly, and I, I, I hope I can express it the way it came to me. The first one is use it, don't lose it. When I think about this pain that I've experienced from loss to grief to not having to having, using it in a way that I don't lose it to where it can be repurposed in my life in a negative way. So when I say using this pain, I mean getting up in the morning every single day and recognizing that I'm that much closer to it not hurting as much as it did originally. Taking the opportunity to recognize that subtle changes are happening and that every day I get up, I get an opportunity to feel just a little bit better and not as in pain as I originally was. The other one is express it, don't conceal it. Whenever I get the opportunity to express that, hey, this is what I'm going through, but I'm hopeful for something else, it lightens the burden along the way. So I have to express it in my workouts. I I express it in my writing. I express it on this podcast. I express it to my friends. I express it to strangers because as I express it and not conceal it, it's not causing something cantankerous on the inside of me, right? The third one is convert it. Don't transfer it. We all have that friend that when they call, we already know it's going to be on BS. We know. We like, dang, such and so and so is calling. <laughs> and boy, they're about to have me annoyed and frustrated and, and, and all that extra, whatever. And so, because the, they have a way of taking their pain and, and not materializing it into anything other than, and then they put it on us. Well, we don't want to be those people either. So we want to convert that pain and not transfer it. That takes you to sit down and recognize that it hurts and it still hurts. And maybe you feel like it's been five years. It shouldn't hurt like this, but it does. And then convert it and, and, and don't transfer it to someone else. Don't transfer it to the waitress that's just trying to make an honest living or to the person that's driving and may really be very reliant on that GPS and you're flicking them off. They don't even notice uses. Don't even do it. It's wasted. But convert it, but don't transfer it. Convert it into something else. Take that pain, take that anger, and convert it into hopefulness. And I mean it. Like convert it into something like joy. Convert it into something like empathy. Like, wow, if I'm experiencing this much and I'm not having an isolated 
life event. Maybe other people are experiencing this too. Maybe I can be light. We can't waste the pain. None of it is wasted. The worst thing we can do is say, this was dumb for me to have gone through and not accept the lesson or the blessing that comes with it. So as I continue to journey through this thing called life, I want that to be one of my questions. What do I do with all this pain? What do I do with all this shame? What do I do with all this doubt? What do I do with all this fear? We convert it and change it into resilience, boldness, excitement, joy, (laughs) and shamelessness. And it starts with recognizing that we're hurt. All right, y'all. So y'all got two story times out of me in one episode. Your girl is on a roll. All right, let's just pray for some consistency because I'd love to come back next weekend. All right, so we are at the third and final segment of the podcast. Y'all, that felt really good. I hope you're enjoying it. Third and final podcast section is definitely the I'm still healing moment. And y'all, I've got one for you and perhaps you might be feeling it too. The I'm still healing uh, moment is definitely one that is borrowed from a previous podcast that I used to co-host with. And um, it is where I take out the opportunity and the time to assess where I'm at and where I'm still healing at and share it with you in hopes that you have one and that you are willing to share with someone else. My I'm still healing moment is that I feel like I have a small margin for error. One of the things that I've been struggling with these past two months is while I am dealing with my mental and emotional um, stability, I also still have other things that need to get done in the physical space, which is um, figuring out where to live, how to move, when to move, what to move, (laughs) and who to move (laughs) with. And um, I feel like if I make one false move, it's the difference between really, really great or really, really not great. And that small error comes from having to do a lot of life, most of this life on my own. But when I really sit down and I and I do want to have a space to recognize that I can't have my own pity party. I realize that God is with me and that you guys are with me and that anybody who comes across this podcast or the blog or that I walk down the street is with me. And though I see myself as a single individual, there are a team of women and men that are rooting for my success. And um, sometimes I just don't want to go that high into thought. I'd like to have that pity party. And um, yeah, so... That's my I'm still healing moment because it's a lot of changes coming down the pipeline and um, I want to get it just right. I want to get it just right. All right, y'all, this has been beautiful. This has been fun. This has been blessed. This has been love. As always, share with a friend, share with a friend, share with a friend. And remember the shameless, shameless, continue to do what you've got to do on your journey. And I can't wait to do this again. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Sincerely Shameless episode on the Sincerely Shameless podcast, where we unpack shame through vulnerability. It takes courage, 
resiliency, and effort. I truly hope you get the opportunity to share this episode with a friend who shares it with another friend, who shares it with another friend, as we all collectively come together to become the better version of ourselves. If you haven't already had the opportunity, be sure to head over to www.theshamelessbrand.me for blog updates. You can also stay in constant communication through Instagram, and that is at she is so shameless with two O's and underscore at the end. I really look forward to chatting with you next week. You are loved, and we got this.